Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hala Hala podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. In this month of May, the Hollow Hollow podcast will be focused on fashion. And on today's podcast, our topic is the Met Gala, which is held on the first Monday of May each year. Now, this year's theme was in honor of Karl Lagerfeld, Line of Beauty, and later in this podcast, we'll talk about the Filipino view of luxury. But before we do that, Sigs, let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? You and I are sharing a brain because you and I both had seen Ghosted. Yes! Streaming I... on Apple Plus TV. Mm-hmm. I love comparing notes with you. Yes. Starring Anna de Armas and Chris Evans. Now, yes, yes, yes. Spy, heist, masquerading as a rom-com. I have a question for you before we start yes, this. It, it's, it's great. Starring Chris Evans and the lovely Anna de Armas, we've seen star together in Knives Out. Right. We all know Chris Evans writ large as Captain America. That's right. Anna de Armas was just recently nominated for an Academy Award for her role as Marilyn Monroe in Blonde. Yes, lovely. Can I ask you something? Now, yeah. as a strong Filipino gay male, mm-hmm. what is your thoughts on Chris Evans? Are you attracted to him? I mean, he was on Most Sexiest on People magazine. Yeah. Do you buy into him? Is he your type? Like, what is the allure for him? I'm you know, just asking. It is that classic American boy look, but he doesn't have that Southern charm. He acts like an American Southern gentleman, but without that Southern accent. From in Boston. Some way. Yeah. And then if you kind of put him in that kind of classic blonde, like if he's got blonde tips, even more so, right? Like I see why people swoon. But, you know, I always wonder about this. Like I wonder if like we were to see him on the street, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would take a second look at him. You know what I'm saying? I find them a little, like, hey, who am I to say? But my opinion, just a little bit bland. Like Ryan Reynolds sticks out because he's funny, right? There's a bit more charisma. Right. Fine with him or whatever, but Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, Chris Pont. I can put him in a bag and be like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I- They've got a pretty boyish charm, but I guess yeah. that boyish charm isn't necessarily singular or unique. And I think being cast as Captain America has put him and associated, like, there's been a halo effect from all of that. Exactly. And because of that halo effect, I think, oh, like you put him in a uniform, he looks like he has all these abs and these muscles and he looks really athletic. And so anything afterwards, it's kind of hard not to kind of throw back to that or think that, yeah, I can see why people find him attractive or find him charming. But I always wonder about kind of past the charming, is there anything else there, right? There was a great article with him in GQ magazine, and I think him, the writer who's female or whatever, there's a bit of a dating thing, and then it sort of froze off, which I thought was an interesting article. I don't know if it's mm. GQ or Esquire. But my question is this. So in this rom-com, yes. you see Anna de Armas's character, Sadie, 
just sort of fleeing. You know that she has some sort of mystery about her. She bumps right. into Cole, who's working at a farmer's market, yep. who apparently is like single and he yep. can't keep a girl and he's a little <laughs> too much. Where I was just like trying not to roll my eyes. I'm like, okay, really? But well, anyway, he, he, plays he just off. doesn't he just doesn't come across as someone that's supposed to be smothering. Like, or know, clingy and, and stuff. clingy or needy, and, but that's, and that's okay. the shtick, right? Yeah. It's, because you know what? In the trope of a romantic comedy, they usually have the female character play this. That's you know, right. whether it's Sandra Bullock or Catherine Heigl or whatever, where you're like, oh, they're so clean. they're just lovely, beautiful people. Right. You know, they're that's their fault. So yeah. it's played in this male character. And what comes to realize because he wants to hunt down Sadie because they had this really great day together. He leaves his, he has a puffer and there's a honing device on it for him to find it. He realizes she's in London and he follows her and doesn't realize that she is a spy. Yes. More or less. <laughs> That's quite now, the conceit to swallow, right? Here's the thing. It was very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. I loved both Chris Evans and Anna de Armas' chemistry in the movie Knives Out, which was a very different movie. Great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I loved it. Anna de Armas as like a femme fatale, if you saw her in No Time to Die, oh, is my wonderful, favorite. Wonderful. She's in this gorgeous dress. She has these big eyes. She meets Daniel Craig. She's like, hello, Mr. Bond. And they're fighting in Cuba. And she's quickly kicking butt. And like, let's have a drink. And then there's, she's totally like being a badass. And the just continuing on. It was, she was great. Great. There was no romance between them, but she was so like a kid sister, like, hey, let's go kick butts. Let's get their guns. Let's take these people yeah, down. I've only been no trained problem. for four weeks or something That's like it. that. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I love the part where she shows Bond out and says, like, aren't you coming? Says, no, 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 I'm I'm here. And then closes the door on him and like they go their separate ways. She is quite the femme fatale. She's certainly someone to watch as she kind of evolves in her film career. She has quite the physicality. She was quite amazing in this it's movie. It's those actually. eyes. It's those yeah. eyes. Which which almost look yellow, like greeny yellow, like mm, you can't help but get yeah. lost in them. My yeah. favorite part about this, there was amazing cameos because again, we are Marvel fanatics. Yeah, it was so look, fun. Blink to see, and you right? miss, you see Cap's buddies, like yep, Anthony right. Mackie, Sebastian Stan. But I'm still sad. Lovely John Cho. Yes. Goes up for a second. And I'm like, damn it. And then that's it. John yeah, Cho. That's right. <laughs> I love you. Where did you go? What else did you enjoy about this lovely flick? Yeah, I think if you could actually suspend your disbelief in certain yeah. things uh-huh. it certainly like reversed the tropes on all of it yeah. i really like the action oh yeah I thought to myself first 30 minutes was of course the love story and it kind of reminded me a little bit about before sunrise that's true you have a gorgeous day yeah like, gorgeous yeah. day and stuff like that it reminded me of that but i think it was the fact that they didn't spend too much time on it. Yeah. And there was this running joke of like, oh, get a room, get a room. <laughs> exactly. get a room. Well, yeah, I have to say, that was funny. Yeah, everybody. I, you just couldn't get tired of that line in a lot of ways. So I really enjoyed that. I just thought it was cute and it was fun and it didn't need, it wasn't trying to be anything more than it was. And sometimes exactly. it's a good thing. I was a little worried though, when I saw mm-hmm. the trailer, just to get a sense, I thought, oh my God, yeah. you just told me the entire story. And even though they did kind of tell you the entire story or they told you the conceit of the entire film all the scenes that they showed were within the first 20 minutes of the entire movie and so you didn't have to worry about not seeing or not being surprised right like i certainly (laughs) thought that there were lots of surprises to come you know towards the end and then it was just kind of cute for them to have kind of figured out a way to kind of blend their lives at the end to me i think that that's kind of what relationships are about how do you blend each other's lives even though you may come from two different arenas in life i'll be a kind of like a budding agricultural historian to yeah, exactly you know, a cia operative but mm-hmm. like you know weirder things i guess could happen that's what i was up to pop culture wise and very much enjoyed it the other thing 
that mm-hmm. I've been kind of caught up in is, is that ever since our sports theme month in April, I think I had said this in our episode of All or Nothing, right. I've really been kind of caught up with Leafs fever. And so this whole round one series win for the Maple Leafs was just enjoyable and yet on a roller coaster ride. And it was just yeah. hard to watch. And as we tape this, we're in the second round. Which right. They haven't done so well, but that's okay. The The round is still early and it's only still game early. one. But yeah, so that's also what I've been up to kind of pop culture-wise. Have you been up to anything else pop culture-wise? No, that was the main thing. I've been a little bit busy, but those are the two things. I just love that. I'm like, oh, we, we actually happen to watch the same thing for once. I know, so. that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun yeah. to just kind of get into something that we both kind of overlapped on. Michael and I did want to see Ghosted simply because it just kind of came up on our feed and we were wanting to watch a movie and not start a series right away. The other thing that I liked a lot about the movie Ghosted was just some of the fashion, especially that femme fatale look in the final fight scene. Oh, like well, that. Yeah, that, I mean, the fashion, I can't, you can't help but have a crush on Anna de Armas. You can't. Like, she's just like, damn. Like, yeah. Winking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just, and as I saw her go around in her black dress, it just got that was, excited. Yeah. 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 So we watched that on the weekend and then got excited because then it reminded me that, oh my gosh, it's the Met Gala, which is, That's right. of course, today's pop culture topic for today. So, Sigs, tell our listeners all about the Met Gala and the Met Ball. Well, if you're not familiar, the Metropolitan Gala, or the Met Ball, was formerly called the Costume Institute Gala, or the Costume Institute Benefit. It's an annual fundraising gala held for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. It usually falls on the first Monday of May, well, except during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It is organized by Vogue, and it's dubbed fashion's biggest night with a very sought-after invite, which costs a pretty penny, which has Mm -hmm. gone up. The last time you and I talked about it, it was 30k. It is currently 50k a ticket US dollars. Crazy, crazy. You'll talk about the theme in a little bit, but this year's co-chairs included Anna Wintour, Roger Federer, the tennis player, who happens to be best friends with Anna Wintour, Mm. Michaela Cole, the lovely actress from Mm. the Please destroy me or something Please like that. Me. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. F- fantastic actress Penelope Cruz, right? Who we all know, Academy Award winner, and the lovely Dua Lipa, right? With sponsors that included Chanel, Fendi, and the Karl Lagerfeld brand. Of course, of course. Well, and the reason why all of those sponsors were there was at one point or another. Carl Lagerfeld was actually the creative director or the heads of these various luxury brands. Yes. So this year's theme based on Carl Lagerfeld, who died Mm. in January of 2019. So just before the pandemic, and he had died of pancreatic cancer. And again, up until recently, from 1983 until his death, he had served as the creative director for Chanel. So that's (laughs) the theme. The theme is in honor of Carl Lagerfeld. And I have to say, Sigs, a couple of things right off the bat. Can I just say Anna Wintour, Roger Federer, Michaela Cole, Penelope Cruz, and Dua Lipa, like that is the most number of co-chairs ever seen appointed to a Met Gala. And it felt a little bit of a mishmash of these are all people that are co-chair. Now, really, what does a co-chair do? I think that they go to probably two meetings and Anna probably says, this is what we're doing and you don't look great in that outfit change. That's probably what happens. I don't know that they do anything. I think if anything, perhaps maybe they were invited for star power. I think in previous themes, they would have maybe one, if not two co-chairs, but having like four or five, like that's pretty crazy. So anyways, I just needed to say that. What were you going to say? The same. Like, I knew there was a couple, like, was it like Timothy Chalamet was one year? Yeah. And Zendaya. But usually it's a little bit tighter. And sometimes it's not Anna Ventura is the co-chair. Like, sometimes Sometimes she's not. Yeah. And I was like, but why? 
Like Roger Federer, and there's no shade to Roger Federer because I think he's just a classic, wonderful athlete, a classic man or whatever. But I'm like, why? Okay, sure. Like I'm, I'm still not understand. sure about Roger Federer. <laughs> yeah, I know that Anna had said something with respect to Michaela Cole, where she wasn't afraid to be who she is, and yeah. that that was something Carl Lagerfeld always aspired to be, or something like okay, that. Okay, sure. Okay, like you know whatever. <laughs> You know, and that Penelope had a special moment with Carl. Like, I guess all these people were just kind of dying to be the co-chairs, I guess, in some way, shape, or hey, form. you know what? Blake Lively had to take a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Blake was just like, I'm going to breast pump in the bathroom. I'm yeah, tired. That's it's right, fine. That's right. Ryan's got to go by the senators. Someone else has to good. think about it for sure. <laughs> I think Carl Lagerfeld. Yes. The fashion that we saw at the steps of the Met Gala were exactly what I thought I was going to see. But before we get into that, I was going to say that when I think of Carl Lagerfeld, I think of two things. Yes. One is Margaret Cho and her routine on Carl Lagerfeld. Do you recall, have you seen Margaret Cho's routine on Carl Lagerfeld? By beat. I know it beat by beat. I don't want to repeat it all because it's not appropriate for everything. But it was just like, what if Carl Lagerfeld got arrested Yes. And was sent to jail. That's and he right. would probably go, Andre Leon Talent, and I apologize for the thing. Andre, can you bring me a fan? Can yes, you bring right. it in a cake? <laughs> can you stick it up your ass? I just need a fan. You know, I love like, that. You know bit. exactly. Well, exactly and I will say of. it because I can say it. Sensor yeah. alert. If you don't like Jesse swearing, pause yeah. and skip ahead 10 seconds. But my favorite line is when. She talks about Karl Lagerfeld possibly fanning himself while in prison and describes yeah. it as fanning the flames of his faggotry. And I <laughs> just cannot stop laughing at that, no I... matter how offensive that might be. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, but fanning the flames of my faggotry. And I just thought, yes, that's exactly Because anytime I've ever seen any fashion clips or fashion interviews, always, constantly, always fanning himself it's like the man has no ability to sweat and has to have air kind of circulate on him and that he has to do this at such a rapid rapid rate so oh, that didn't margaret cho say bitch it ain't that hot yeah like, that that's like... exactly <laughs> i don't know what he's fanning so fervishly for but fan away fan away carl lagerfeld rest in peace of course the other thing that i think about when I think about Karl Lagerfeld. I think of some of his iconic looks yes. or even the way that he appears on the red carpet. So, of course, in most recent decades, sunglasses, stark white hair, and his famous detachable white collar. <laughs> in and a pony, right? A like, pony, he has a hair yeah. in a pony. And yeah. you can identify him anywhere. Like, I remember watching fashion television at 6.30 on City TV because, you know, you see women in, like, sort of sexy yeah. stuff. But I would always see them. I'm like, that's Karl Lagerfeld. He's yeah. just, he has a fan, he has sunglasses. And that, like, was the 80s. Right? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Till now, right? Till 2019, yeah. until his death. Yeah. And I think that you can't get away from his stuff. Like, you probably mm -hmm. know his stuff. If you never knew anything about Carl, you probably know his stuff if you watched any television because his fashions are quite iconic. Mm -hmm. And he's known for luxury, like being in Chanel, oh. being in Fendi, Balmain for a very yes. small piece of time, even Chloe as well. But all of those fashion brands when he took over certainly that house's fashion brand came through but he would inject a classic style a french style or romantic haute couture to all of his dresses and features and fashion that he was putting out into the world when he was at those respective houses mm -hmm. and i think quite simply like you can kind of see it in his emphasis on flowers and florets and roses. Yes. 
he really has a black and white styling. He really likes, you know, black and white styling or really mm-hmm. pastel colors. And then he's famous again for his white shirts or reconstructing or deconstructing, right. you know, white shirts. And then of course, what is the Karl Lagerfeld collection? You know, what would it be if it didn't have any pearls and brooches and bedazzled yeah. dresses along the way? Oh yeah. So those are some of the things that I think about when I think about Karl Lagerfeld. Any other thoughts that come up for you when you think about Karl Lagerfeld? No, it's quite iconic when you talk about it. If you're not familiar with him, like he's an icon when it comes to fashion. And I know yes. Jess is going to talk about some counterpoints. I see it's a character almost in my head. Yeah. Point him out. You know who he is. Part of the fashion scene and like part of New York part if of you style. You don't know his character. I mean, like you probably would know his character. And I think you've seen his work and have probably appreciated, but just didn't know that it was Karl Lagerfeld. But I think if you look for those things like a black and white palette, pearls, brooches, bedazzled, roses, yep. flowers, again, kind of romantic and class, very much evokes a French styling or a French haute couture. Now, I will say this though, yes. that in as much as you and I are I more particularly are gushing about him realistically, he wasn't also perfect. And the reason why I bring this up is in as much as I enjoyed watching the live streaming on Monday and today's May 2nd, folks. And so we Mm. had just watched this the day before. What was interesting was how everyone was gushing after him. And I was just thinking to myself, that's true, gush after him. And probably it's not necessarily appropriate to talk about this in the middle of the Met Gala, but he wasn't, again, perfect. He made a lot of offensive remarks in his career. He was most recently known for making some fat phobic comments about Adele. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. It's Adele. Totally, right? And Mm. Islamophobic Mm. uh, comments as well. And then just not understanding gay parenting or why some gay folks would want to parrot and also being unsupportive of the Me Too movement as well. But I think that this is kind of like the growing tension, like people that put things out that influence pop culture, they're not always going to be perfect and that they themselves are probably works in progress, if you will. So I like that you brought it up, though, because it's not like we're putting a a blind... We're not addressing that gap. I don't want to say blind eye, but we're addressing that gap. That's part of him also. So I'm glad that you did mention it because I was like, I remember the Adele part because I'm like, shame. Come on. Yeah. In yeah. as much as I didn't agree with any of that stuff, I don't think we can also ignore the influence he's had on right. fashion and on pop culture. But right. again, not perfect, not perfect. And yeah. all I kept screaming at the TV when he would say these things or on YouTube would be like, you know, talk to a therapist or talk to people that are, you know, in these different marginalized groups that you're making fun of or being, Mm. you know, insensitive or unkind to. So, yeah, and that has to kind of affect fashion. And I also think that he might not have understood the responsibility they have because having those ideas in his head and not challenging them or interrogating them or scrutinizing Mm -hmm. them further probably has influenced the way that he does his fashion. And you can almost see it in the Chanel-larian silhouette that he kind of puts out there, where it's, it's very kind of like skinny, 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 skinny tight yeah. winches, wasted, high shoulders and stuff like that. And yes, that's gorgeous, but there are other gorgeous body types too as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting back to the Met Gala, really yeah. love seeing this kind of fashion show, but it's also a bit of a circus. And I kind of a, a little, <laughs> <laughs> at least in recent years, it certainly has been a circus. So it's been kind of fun. But let me ask you, what were some of the looks that you've enjoyed? And maybe we can trade them back and forth. Absolutely. The first look, and it was one of the first things. And Ray mm. would like to say hello, our friend Ray. Hi, she was Ray. Texting me. She was texting me. She's like, Siggy. I'm like, yes, I know. The first person I saw was uh-huh. Naomi Campbell. 
Yes, yes, now, yes. Naomi Help. Campbell, folks, if you're not familiar, she's one of the supermodels from like the 90s. Mm. Beautiful black woman draped in pink and silver, which was from Chanel's Spring Summer 2010 Couture Collection. She looked, for someone who is 52, mm-hmm. looked like a breath of fresh air, a new mama. I think yes. she has a little baby that's maybe two now. I'm wistful for those days of a supermodel. Like, a little bit different because, yes, Carl liked a little bit of a light pastel, but she looked like classic gorgeous just ethereal usually you know naomi's painted with one of those models that you know she doesn't wake up for less than 10k or yes, she loves yes, fried yes. chicken or nothing feels great as feeling thin is but <laughs> let me tell you she looked amazing that's the first person i was like totally. whoa and i was like okay like follows this because right it's chanel couture Yes. I get it. But I just was like, it was just that pop of color. I was like, wow, you look amazing. Head it was the toe. pop of color and it yeah. was like luminous silver. and metallic. Yeah. That's exactly luminous. That's it what was... she looked like. And her skin looked amazing. Like, beautiful woman. It looked like luxury. It looked Absolutely. like luxury. That's exactly the stage for sure. Yeah. But what about you? Who's your first hit that you were just like, wow? Well, the first one that I just was like, oh, beautiful, 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 beautiful. Nicole Kidman. So she drew from the archives <laughs> and wore the 2004 chanel haute couture and she was in this pink silk tulle gown with a feather train and for those of you that are in the know or kind of follow this type of stuff follow fashion you'll also recognize that this is the same dress that she wore in the famous chanel number five commercial that was really paying a tribute to moulin rouge she was being hounded by paparazzi she wanted to escape she gets out of her limousine and out comes her in this again beautiful pink silk tulle gown with a feather train and because of that, as she's running through, I think New York City, if memory serves me correct, yes. kind of flashbacks to pseudo scenes of Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. So instead of seeing Ewan McGregor, it was the other some male model in his place. Yeah. Had, again, that kind of romantic French vibe that very French, you know, yeah. Carl Lagerfeld is very much known for. And so it kind of brought out all this ethereal romantic chic she just looked gorgeous. And I felt bad for Keith Urban, who was just kind of in the background. You could, you could, she could bring out a cutout of him. Totally, totally. Like, give the guy a break. Stay team. home. Yeah. Eat, like eat some Cheetos and just watch the show. I think that's what he wanted to do. He probably but did. She <laughs> needed him to be by his side. I can very much appreciate it. <laughs> but that's what I loved. I absolutely loved that look. And again, and she's just gorgeous. She's just statuesque, just kind of like Naomi. Yeah, yeah, just really exactly. beautiful. Yeah. And she had such pleasant things and wonderful things to say about Carl while on the uh, on the steps of the Met Gala there. How about you? What's the next look that so that I'm going to do this little tranche? See, I like the color palette of black and white. I always did. Mm, I'm always yes. like when you get fancy. Sometimes people are basic, and there were some people that are just men's that were just wearing tuxes. But two people. There was actually three. But I'm going to hit off. I played. Who understood the assignment? First one was James McAvoy. Mm, so James yes. McAvoy was the classic. He looked like an updated Karl Lagerfeld. He was wearing a brooch, a nice white collar, nice dark suit, and he had the little fan. He pulled out the fan. <laughs> yeah. And that's yes. all I needed to know before I even knew that it was Carl Lagerfeld was the theme. We're like, oh, that's Carl Lagerfeld. And he had flipped it out and was just fanning away. But many of the men that appeared, like Simu Liu had the same thing. And he was just like in luxury also with a brooch. And just looking sharp, Brian Tyree Henry was another one. But James McAvoy really stuck out for me, just understanding the assignment. The fan, the brooch, the impish smile. Like, I like the throwback to the classics, but it was a bit more punched out. Like when you said luxury, Kuya, that... 
it's there. You're just like, I'm not only nice, but if you touch my clothing or if you can see the, the details to the clothing and the brooches were really small. They did on his Instagram, James McAvoy did little zoom ins on his cufflinks, his watch, mm. the brooch itself. Like, Whoever was getting him ready was like, no, you should take a picture of this to make the ensemble. Like, that's what the gal is about. Yeah. That being put together and even Simu or whatever, thanks Donatella for like, thank you very much. Grazie. Yeah. And it's those pieces and that work together, but understanding that assignment. And can you imagine if we had a Filipino, like, feature of Filipino as a theme? These people oh would gosh. be onto it. But yeah, totally. James McAvoy, I quite enjoyed it. Because I think also, too, where as a normal, like, dad that I am, I like to see stuff that I'm like, hey, man, I can totally see people wear that. And it's that nice sort of it's thing. Accessible. Where, you know, it's that's accessible. That's the word I was thinking of. It's accessible for people. Yeah. I think that there were many attempts trying to do Karl Lagerfeld, but James McAvoy very much did it in his honor, which again is what the theme was. Absolutely. And so there sometimes runs the danger of ending up to be looking like a costume that you're wearing and he didn't yeah. come across that way like there was some Not other people that I thought oh that looks too costumey and that doesn't I mean Jared Leto like we'll save that we'll save that for the <laughs> we'll end save that. we'll but, save it for our next part but yeah but, I was but yeah. yeah and so he wasn't so obvious but you could tell when you thought and you drilled down to it, right down to the details of the brooches and the Bro, it, Yeah, it was great. Because yeah. even Simu too, you just looked and you're like, oh, you see, it just, it was those hallmarks. You did it well. Of it. Well, and like, I, it, I just, I, I thought that was great because it made you think, you're like, oh, there you go. What was your next lovely hit? What was another look that you enjoyed? I absolutely loved what Emily Blunt was in. Yes. She was in Michael Kors in mm-hmm. what looked like a gorgeous Lagerfall inspired lace top with a black bow and a white rosette. And she paired that with a wonderful sequent pants. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be easy to do this assignment and then just kind of go into the archives. And I think for Nicole Kidman made sense to do that, right? Because that's one of her most famous collabs with the designer. I think with Emily, I thought, oh, wow, like really smart. The florette is there. The black and white styling is there. Again, the sequence is there. You know, Michael didn't like the bow. I kind of like the bow. The bow, right? It. it got you to then yeah. focus on the white rose florette that was at the middle of it all. I just thought it was classic and totally evoke Lagerfeld. And yet at the same time, she's not in a gown where she just has to be careful in terms of how she walks. She probably no. looked really Pants. comfortable. Yeah. And again, it was something really accessible in a lot of ways. I can see other people kind of wearing that to some nice gala event in their hometown or in their home yeah. city, whatever the case may be. How about you? What was your next hit? Well, I, I think we sort of match up. As soon as you bring in Emily Blunt, we get to the Devil Wears Prada crew. And yes, I have yes, to say, yes. you and I have to tip our hats to the lovely Anne Hathaway. Mm, now, here's the thing. Yes. She's redeemed herself since Lamis, okay? Right. But as a guy that grew up in the 90s, yes. I have a soft spot for anyone that wears Versace's and pins. Mm. Now, listeners, if you don't, you're not aware of this. When I see pins on a dress that looks like it's holding it together, there is a classic dress worn by Elizabeth Hurley, who's a model actress. Yes, yes, yes. In the 90s, when she was dating Hugh Grant, it was a black dress with Versace, and it was held by, together by pins. Right. Anne Hathaway was wearing a white version. Yes. And it was just updated, and the pins went to the front. It was classic. That style, like, that piece of iconography with the pins, I thought that was amazing. She was like, Kuya, you made mention, you're feeling the 90s. She was giving us nostalgiana. I liked Anne Hathaway. I thought it was great. You- I totally 
really loved Your it thoughts. too. I yeah. thought it was a smart gown. That gown that you mentioned Elizabeth Hurley wearing, yes, that's a very classic Versace. And the silhouette that Anne Hathaway was wearing was also classic Versace. But what mm-hmm. made it very much an ode to Karl Lagerfeld through the Versace eye as worn by Anne Hathaway was the fact that the white gown was made out of mm-hmm. white tweed oh no way it was Whoa. white tweed and then not only was it held together with safety pins and i might say you know listeners these are like expensive no these are gold pins. like a kilt pin yeah a kilt not pin. like a safety pin like an ornate there were many ornate. ornate pins all the way through but also pearls throughout and again Ooh, yeah. very much kind of like white pearls, but in that classic Versace silhouette, as opposed to the Chanel and silhouette that we're so used to seeing. So it was really fun to kind of see those elements kind of come out. Oh my gosh, she looked like a goddess with her hair being pulled up and down. Oh yeah. It looked really classic in that Atelier Versace outfit that she was in. And again, wonderful nod to Karl Lagerfeld at that point. Who was your third i guess fourth is a third or fourth? well fourth, i'm in fourth, third yes. and fourth because i was all about understanding the assignment now there were yes, several yes. but i'm going to try to narrow it down i love me lizzo i always mm, does. and yes, not yes. just for the fact that she gets in there so she was like covered when jesse was talking about brooches and pins and pearls i'm talking about her red carpet look not her after look mm. she was just like dolled up with pearls all over yeah her. yeah yeah and i can then, see that yeah but Lizzo always like she's always there ready to, for the party. This big grin on her face, yeah. smiling everything. So now Jesse just mentioned Jared Leto. Now, so I'll talk a bit more. Jared Leto <laughs> was in a cat costume. We'll talk about it later. A but nice the best cat part is, costume, but a cat was, costume. We will talk about it later. But I just loved it because Jared Leto came in and you could just see Lizzo's face like, what is going on? <laughs> and he hugs her. And I'm sure it's in Getty Images where yeah. like, she's hugging. She's like, what the fuck is that? Like, she's just hugging him. Like, oh, hey, Jared. Like, whatever. And it was just that classic face. The embrace was enough said. Right. But she looked very... I loved it. She had all those elements. It's Lizzo. She's there. And if Carl was still alive, maybe she would have given something to think about. Like, hey, maybe he'll take out that band and say, fuck, maybe I should dress her. Yeah, you know? Totally, you never know. Totally, yeah. Body positivity. I just, when I saw Lizzo, understood the assignment. And, and quickly, Kuya, a lot of black and white palettes could be seen on everyone, right? Whether it's yes, Chanel that's Ortega, right. who's very into Wednesday, the lovely Aubrey Plaza, Michelle Yeoh, Academy winner, Michelle Yeoh looked angelic. Gorgeous, but I just yeah. want to give one last shout out. And this is, again, from Ray, my friend Ray. Lily Collins looked yes. amazing. Now, she's always yeah, been like agree. sort of basic from Emily in Paris, but she wore a Vera Wang gown to the annual fair. It was custom made. So on the back, it said Carl. Right. On the tool, and it looked really gorgeous. I was like, you yeah. know what? I'll give Lily Collins this. You know, she's not Wang Gab. I'll give her this. Well- it's true and you could only wear that on the steps of the mat absolutely or some other set of steps and stuff like that it was very over the shoulder like i had to give her that that last person that understood the assignment because your next look is very much talked about so i want you to just dive in well the last interesting look for you that i very much liked yes and i know that people maybe were kind of like what the fuck is going on (laughs) but it was little nas x he was sprayed in metallic silver dripping in pearls and bejeweled crystals that were attached to his body. And he was only wearing a metallic silver thong and was wearing a bejeweled mask. And this just made me laugh. It just made me laugh. And I always remind myself that fashion is not only just beauty and excellence and function mm-hmm. and style, 
but it's also whimsical and fun. And this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Is right. Sometimes the Met can be a bit of a circus. And it's kind of fun that way. And he treated it that way. Like he was all over the place and stuff like that. And yet it totally evoked what Karl Lagerfeld would probably do. So, you know, count on little Nas X to be extravagant and then again filled with whimsy. This look was in sharp relief to every classic thing that we saw going up the Met staircase too as well. The last thing that I'll say about this is, is, is that most of the men had a particular silhouette, just kind of like Absolutely, James yeah. McElvoy had to do. You know, it was usually Simu, a suit. Yeah. You know, so this was nice to see. So I will say that an honorable mention amongst the men in terms of what wore was Bad Bunny as well, because I well, thought he true. totally yeah. went the other way. He did go white. He didn't do any brooches. He didn't do any pearls or anything like that. But he did a wonderful, if you will, like white rose floret wrap of sorts. Yeah, it was a wrap. Sorts. Yeah, I thought that Probably that was comfy. just kind of gorgeous. Yeah, it was comfy and extravagant at the same time, which is what luxury is all about. I think the last thing in terms of talking about the Met Gala is the outrageous moment or... Yes, moment. I don't know yeah. what to think. Yes. And I know that you and I have mentioned this, but maybe we should talk about that now. Like, let's talk about Jared Leto and the and okay, so, MS Chopat and the cat. Yeah, so Carl Lagerfeld has... Well, the cat's still alive, right? Chopat? I think so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Because it has a Twitter account and even said of that course. she couldn't come. Yeah. So he has a cat and people were paying homage. So now the lovely actress from SNL, Chloe Feynman, who's fantastic, she just had a little cat purse. Yes, yes. Right. Which right. seemed appropriate, right? Yeah. Jared Leto dressed up in a full out like cat costume, like Halloween y cat costume. I felt like I was at a Furby convention. It was very furry. <laughs> was very like that's strange. why you saw Lizzo, like, what is this? And the funny thing is, I didn't realize if you saw him after party without it, I didn't realize did Jared Leto work out or something? Because he looks like stacked. Like really ripped. Yeah. I was like, holy, I go, is he I didn't think his like Marvel movie went well, but I'm like, okay great it was just a little off-putting because i was like what the hell is this i was confused i mean like i, I got I mean, what it was doing but i didn't think that that was fashion and but, i just thought to myself anna did you actually approve that i was gonna say but did she approve Katy perry's cheeseburger probably not but so, like i think this is the burger yes this is the burger <laughs> but he gets invited each year right so i just thought uh, it's so strange i will yeah. say this though if you had to kind of come in a mascot Furby outfit. At least it was highbrow and luxurious. Like you could tell it was high quality, but it was just the uh, yeah, oddest yeah, yeah. thing to see. I didn't well, necessarily then, think it was fashion, but you know, who knows? Someone right? should have been smarter and just come as a fan. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come as a fan. Come like, as just a fan. That would have been better. Grab the hands out. Like that would look right. really great. Right. Out, total yeah, that's right. But, okay. Let's talk about the actual monikered musician. Doja Cat? Doja yes. Cat. Dressed as oh, a well, sequence cat. Okay, if you didn't see her face, she was beautifully dressed up in an Oscar de la Renta gown. But yes. then she wore prosthetics that altered yeah, which her Which was nose. like almost a shade of like, she wanted to be in the Cats remake. She, she totally was. She didn't make she the totally cut. She totally was. <laughs> she certainly tried to evoke Karl Lagerfeld's Cat Chupette. But again, just like Jared Leto, it felt like it bordered on being very costumey. And again, I can't believe that I, I just, Anna Wintour approved this. I thought it was her face was a little scary. It kind of was. And it, it looked so real. Like, yeah. yeah, it looked too real for me so much so that it's like a human cat. But I thought to myself, did Doja Cat actually get plastic surgery to look like this? And then I, I had to kind of look like it up. Lady? Yeah. No, it was just prosthetic. And then... <laughs> 
the best part is, is, is as you're kind of like going through the Twitter sphere and people taking pictures, like, I don't know about you. And I know that it's a stressful night and everyone's got to be on, but you're on. And there yeah. are pictures of her like vaping in the background during people's interviews and stuff like that. That's so freaking it, funny. It just That's looked even funny. stranger. And I just thought, where's her stylist? Or so someone was, blocking the camera. Just be, let her have a smoke. Yeah, like, just, yeah, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. In peace. Yeah, it was like, very I odd. Just, it was very odd to see. So Doja Cat vaping in like, it was just, a cat prosthetic. It was the most. It's going to be a meme. Totally. You know, it, like it, when you're over the shit. I have one last question though for you. Yeah, yeah. We haven't even mentioned it. And probably the only person that Anna Wintour would ever let come late. What was your thoughts on little Rihanna with her baby bump coming in late? What, what uh, did you I think? think she gives her a pass. Well, because, well, yeah. because I think to myself, she Rihanna has she's probably done she's done it. She's given life to various Met Galas. Like she has been the crowning moment and she's been the one that has been not afraid to kind of look like an omelet. That's right. You know, and I think Anna Winter probably appreciates that. So if she wants to come late, she can come late. She's Rihanna. But I have to say it was fun to see this again, Mm -hmm. you know, for all the faults that Karl Lagerfeld was in his beliefs and political beliefs and idea. It was fun to see all of those fashions all in one place at the Met Gala, because all of it just kind of, again, reminds me of today's topic, which is luxury. Just as much as he's kind of designed for all the main luxury brands, makes me think like, what is luxury? And, I, you know, I was kind of looking up the definition of mm-hmm. it. And the definition that came up over and over again was this idea of pairing extravagant living with really great comfort. Now, when I look at some of these designs, I don't know how comfortable they are, <laughs> but certainly they were extravagant. And when I think about extravagance, it's really that there's no restraint in any of the material used. And you can kind of see that in a lot of the gowns or suits that people were wearing. You know, when we were kind of thinking about the culture capital topic mm-hmm. for this particular episode, I don't know that I think of the Philippines as necessarily being a luxury capital. Like there are certainly areas no. of the world that I think about that. Like I'll think of London. I'll think of Abu New York. Dhabi, yeah. I think of Abu Dhabi. I think about Singapore and Hong Kong. Singapore, like, yes. These are certainly places for luxury and even shopping destinations for luxury brand. And it was really funny, Sigs, like when I was kind of doing some research on this in terms of Filipino views of luxury, they had these kind of regular, ordinary Filipino folk on YouTube just talking Mm -hmm. about luxury and they kept naming what we would know as fast fashion brands like Zara and H&M as being something luxurious. (laughs) You know, in some ways, I think it doesn't kind of filter into our heads in terms of what luxury is about. But I think if we use that definition of luxury being paired with extravagant living, and I was to think hard about it, there are Mm -hmm. a couple of different things that I think of, but there's two. One are the growing development of luxury resorts. Now, last time I was in the Philippines was in 2019, and I was able to kind of pop through to some of these luxury resorts. They were just gorgeous things. And I think you've heard me kind of talk about that. And I just keep thinking that if the Philippines can concentrate and capitalize on its beaches, which again, there are no other better beaches in the world, bar none, than what I think you can find in the Philippines. Yeah. I think the Philippines can really become a luxury resort destination in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something to kind of think about. And before I ask you in terms of what do you think of being Filipino and, and luxury in, in our way of living or life, I just remember being in El Nido. There were all these kind of touristy shops and I popped into this one shop and it was like, wasn't your 
regular tourist fare. Mm-hmm. It was better quality cotton, better screen printing. Mm-hmm. Stuff was a little bit more expensive, but the material, just like extravagant living, there was no expense paid for the fabric that this particular store owner was using. And then I ran into the store owner and she's French, right? Ooh. Like she's mm-hmm. French from France. And I got to an interesting conversation and I just said, how did you get here? You know, why are you a boutique owner in the middle of El Nido? Mm-hmm. And she said to me when she was traveling almost 10 years ago, she came across El Nido. She had noticed that this town looked like a sleepy fishing village that reminded her of something back home. And I said, oh, really? What oh, wow. remind you of? And she says, El Nido felt like the French Riviera before it became the French Riviera. And when we think of the French Riviera, the French Riviera very much is a destination for opulence and for spending and gambling and all of that stuff, living life to its fullest in some ways in excess in terms of the riches that you might have available to yourself. And it was interesting to hear her say that El Nido could become the French Riviera of the Orient. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's fascinating. Deep. Yeah. And she said it, French Riviera hmm. started off as a small fishing town. And she says El Nino has that capacity. And yet she also said she missed that small fishing town back in France. And yet she had very kind of refined taste in terms of the touristy stuff that she was selling in her boutique. And again, it was very different from everybody else that that was selling around. So, of course, I bought a couple of stuff from her stall, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of interesting to well, think about. It's a good about. story. Yeah. yeah and, and it's interesting to think about. What about you, Sigs? What do you think about when you think about luxury? It's and- so funny. Luxury to me was almost in a frame of a have not. So mm-hmm. my family was always wistful like for luxury growing up. I grew up in St. Catharines. My mom is a nurse. My dad worked for General Motors. And like we were obsessed with this show. And folks, it, this used to be an hour show that showed in the afternoons when I was growing up. It was called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And Same. This was by this guy named Robin Leach who had this British accent. And when my aunt and uncle had immigrated to Canada, we would religiously watch this show. Mm. It sort of evolved and it was on VH1 or whatever. And they would just talk like about all of like P. Diddy's cars and stuff <laughs> like that. And just this opulence and stuff. Right. We would always wistfully watch it and just like our jaws would drop and be like, look at the houses, look at yeah. the luxury, look at the planes and stuff like that. All these shows highlighting, you know, champagne wishes and caviar dreams. There's something about status and having a name brand items. And that's what I took from it. And realistically, in real life, we're like, oh, we could always be wistful and just imagine you know of like all those things of luxury it wasn't something that we really we dove into I mean like a little bit when my parents were like when we were part of a tennis club and stuff like that but I always felt and I think because my parents my mom grew up poor as you know kids of 14 Mm -hmm. oh child of 14 and my aunt and uncle they're like wow can you imagine like it was almost like not a little bit like dream, like, wow, it's crazy. And then when we'd see people that are interviewed of these opens, it was, they were just a little bit much. You know right, what I mean? We under, right. My mom was sort of like, okay, it's a bit much. It's gorgeous to have this gorgeous thing. My mom knew about the Birkin before, like, Sex in the City. She's like, oh, I wish I could have a nice pair of Jimmy shoes and that. But, like, I know realistically it just doesn't, it's just not going to cut the mustard. I wish we could afford that or if we won the lottery. And I think my mom was just like, I think they associated with that, you know, dynasty, you know, that old soap yeah. opera where they were all yeah. just done up in jewels. And mom's like, oh, my God. Just too much. They're being such so OA. So OA, which is very much kind of like my second point in terms of extravagant living that I think Mm -hmm. sometimes when we think about extravagant living, do we think about kind of the status symbols and the luxury Mm -hmm. brands? 
But I also think that extravagant living really kind of comes back to what you're talking about here in terms of overacting or having OA. And I think when we typically talk about being OA, we usually have talked about it as being negative, being a negative mm-hmm. quality. But really, I think if you think about the flip side of it, it's really about having a full embrace of life. It's being extra and having a zest for life. That's another way I think about what it means to be OA. And, you know, and I think we see this quite often that extravagant living, yes, isn't about enjoying life, but it's also enjoying the people around you. And in as much as our friends tease us about being loud when we're together, we can't help but be kind of quote unquote festive. You know, <laughs> what we bring out, and I think the Filipino people bring out in terms of their form of extravagant living is this sense of zest. We might not have a lot of luxury in terms of brands in the Philippines. Mm. Maybe it's not going to be a shopping destination. Maybe one day it'll be a destination in terms of luxury resorts. But I think certainly people talk about visiting the Philippines or visiting Filipino families here in Canada and all over the diaspora, where people feel extravagance is the hospitality and the zest that I think we have. So I think that that just kind of leads us to the fixing of the week, which is be extra, right? Because (laughs) I think being extra is our way of having a luxurious life. Luxurious life doesn't just mean having brands or having riches, right? It's about kind of being rich in your life. And the only way to do that, I think, is by being extra or having a bit of OA from time to time. So (laughs) overact when you can, everyone. Overact. (laughs) So take us out. I think that takes us to the end. All right, folks, tell us what you thought about the Met Gala and favorite, like, looks from the season and your mm. thoughts on being extra and luxury. Email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. The Holo Holo Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us, leave a review, and tell your friends about us. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, our handle's at holoholopop, and on Instagram at holoholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chelch Ring, and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you soon.